This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, hey Marge, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Running a growing business means getting the insights you need wherever you are. With Shopify's single dashboard, you can manage orders, shipping, and payments from anywhere. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the United States. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ifanboy, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash ifanboy now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash ifanboy. This is the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 504, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. That Cuban girl that brought me low She had that skin so fine Red limbs rose like now Her mouth was white and sweet as well now in endless hours I'm dreaming up her smell I feel as if I am looking at the world from the bottom of Hello, the welcome to the Fanboy Pick Week Podcast, episode 504. My name is Connor Kilpatrick. I'm here with Ron Richards. <laughs> Hello. And Josh Flanagan. <laughs> that was just a little bit of it there. Hello. I'm, I'm just laughing because the, the last thing said before we started recording was Josh saying, I don't read copy. <laughs> yeah. So that, that, that got me. I we like, are a fanboy. I we, have a trailer and I'm petulant. <laughs> we like comics but not copy. And every we read a bunch of comics, one of us picks our favorite book. We call it the pick of the week. We talk about that book, other books. All lots of fun stuff, listener mail. We have fun. We just try to have fun. That's all we're trying to do. Just have fun. Just trying to have some fun. Here's your spoiler warning. It's a review show. There'll probably be some spoilers. So exercise some caution and don't watch the Emmys. <laughs> this week, Josh... A Flanagan. Ooh, the right. Emmys were already on, spoiler warning. You're telling me that network TV shows have not adjusted for time shifting? <laughs> no, they had a, they ran a package that spoiled a bunch of shows. And yeah, I know. Well, they should have watched it when there's broadcast. Exactly. That would be there. Yeah. Their point I, think that, I, think that's fi- I think that's fair. Totally I think, fair. you know, 100% hey, listen, listen, it was all a dream. Patrick Duffy's alive. Sorry. Guys, guys this is not the place. Okay. Josh, you Because you know that we could just fly off these rails and start talking about <laughs> uh, we should just We should just start a show called Spoiler, where we just... <laughs> Every week... <laughs> This week we're doing the crying game. She's a he. (laughs) See you next week. And that's the whole show? Yeah. (laughs) It's a movie that's remembered solely for the fact that it gets spoiled. Yeah, exactly. That's all all anybody else remembers about it. Yeah, that and the Boy George song. Yeah, the creepy Boy George song. So uh, this week... Let's just uh, talk about the crying game. (laughs) I I saw it once. (laughs) Stephen Ray's in it. I like him. He broods. He broods. Okay, so... Uh, (laughs) This week of comic books was not great. <laughs> it was it was rough. It was rough. I don't know why. I keep saying I'm not going to say that before I talk about a pick of the week. But I just did, so there it is. However, on weeks like this, one thing that's nice is that we sometimes get a chance to give the honors to a book that, that maybe doesn't always get a chance to get that. So this week, the pick of the week is Weird World, number four, by small-time writer Jason Aaron. <laughs> He's a new up-and-coming guy. He's hot on the I know. scene. Yeah. You know what? He might, he might be something someday. Artist Mike Del Mundo. And this is one of those little treasures that I've found coming out of Battleworld. And I, I know that it's some... I wasn't reading it because I saw Weird World and I didn't... I, I don't know. It just didn't, didn't even register. I was like, I don't, I don't know what that is. I don't want that. I don't like the title. That's, that's part of it. But what it is here is basically a barbarian story as this uh, Conan-like figure, Archon is in this world that he's been trapped in that he doesn't want to be in the bizarre floating island of Pol Machis 
No, that's what he's searching. He's searching for Polamakis. I don't entirely know what's going on in this book, but at the end of the day, I really like it. Explain that. There's a lot of things that I because part of this is like there's a whole forgetful thing and they don't know why they're there and they get caught there and I feel like there's a backstory of some of these characters that I don't know, but it's not so much that stops me from sort of enjoying what's going on and and first and foremost really enjoying uh, the Mike Del Mundo art because that's that's why I'm talking about this now, mm-hmm. uh, really. At the end of the day, the thing that that I most look forward to is this is uh, it just doesn't look like any other book that's going on right now. It doesn't look like any other Marvel book at all. He does the colors along with Marco D'Alfonso uh, as well, but it's it's definitely one of those like they just let the the artist run with it, and it's really fun. And I think that to a certain extent, Jason Aaron has kept the scripts fairly sparse so that he can you know you can just watch the artist do what he does. And it's it's this like fun little world where there's little bits of things that you recognize from Marvel. There's the Swamp of the Man things, and and there's sort of their threat that if you show fear, of course they will burn you. And then there's uh, what's her name, Morgan Le Fay. That character sort of shows up as as the big bad, I guess in the background. I guess I don't know. I'm <laughs> kind of, straight up like this is the kind of week that it was for comics. Mm. Like out of everything, I was like, I don't know. There's not a ton of pick of the week, so I had to really zero in on something. And like, this is a fun miniseries, and I think that these kind of things will be. These are the kind of things that I kind of gloss over, and I figure they'll make sense to me at the end of the story. That's how I. That's how I sort of plow through things. And I, I, I go, I'm not sure what that is. And then, and then by the time I get to the end, I go, okay, I get it. I, I know what they were doing. But it's just—it's a great book to look at. It's like a Conan kind of book. It's but you know with like sort of one of those Marvel analogs, and it, it actually you kind of forget that it takes place as part of Battleworld until at one point I think somebody in this and this happened in 1872 also where somebody sort of like very quickly instead of saying God just said God Doom or something like that, and you have to remember, oh right, this is part of that whole thing. But it's super fun, and I like that. This is a thing that Jason Aaron is doing. I can't imagine this was assigned to him. So, like he wasn't like I really I want to do that thing and and maybe I, it, it was just it's a fun little team that I don't feel like I've heard anybody mention or and people come down on us they're like you know like in Battle World which is somewhat true oh, but yeah, also totally like true. yeah but I but there are bits of it that are very good sure and this is sort of highlighting well this is definitely a highlight of the the you know that we get to see this or that again eighteen seventy two that we're going to talk about later there's been a couple of fun things in there and you know this kind of stuff Marvel doesn't do this very often. Marvel doesn't do their, you know, they don't really go outside their genres. Even DC made sort of a, an effort to get outside of their superhero genre. But, but Marvel, for the most part, they'll do a miniseries here and there. But it was, uh, it was fun. And, and we're st- I'm starting to understand sort of what's going on uh, in general. And it's like this big floating island and the thing he's looking for. This is the spoiler, by the way, at the end of the, end of the thing. The thing that he's looking for is on the other side of the island, sort of hanging upside down. That's where the others are? Yeah. I don't know. No, 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 no. Like, imagine the island is... I assume you're not reading this because otherwise it would make sense. Uh, the, there's, the, uh, there's a floating island that he's on, and then if you were to go to the bottom of it, pointing downward, upside down, is his home. It's right there. So at the end of the... The hero is sort of despairing, and he's like gonna, he's basically starting to kill himself with uh, the seppuku. Uh, I don't think they're using the Japanese term, but... Uh, and and you find you see that like just below his field of sight is his home that he's looking for. So it's he's a totally like a tragic hero. But it's 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 completely stereotypical barbarian kind of dialogue and you know fighting and lots of crazy creatures. The colors in this are insane. I like a lot of man things. That makes me happy. That's what I heard about you. Yeah, <laughs> I was halfway out of my mouth and oh there again. Sorry, I'm sorry. That was juvenile. I can do better. I'm sorry. <laughs> can you? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> this is debatable. There's something pure about it when you say it without thinking. Should I say this? I think we yeah. had a little bit on the on the 501 show. Um, <laughs> Ron, are you reading this? You're, you're. No, I'm not reading this. I need to really? go back to this. I mean, uh, yeah, no, I know it's on my list to go back. I just it's the it's the odd one where I I, I need to, I missed it on issue one and two and three. So I, I, I need I, to go. <laughs> somebody. <laughs> no, but I mean, I want to go back and get it. It just yeah, I missed it. It won't all. take you long to catch up. I mean, it's right, like a. Yeah trip to the can yeah no uh, but, but, but <laughs> jesus but i know but i know how good the longish one but yeah, yeah but i know how good Dumbundo is and of course how good jason is yeah it's, it's, it seems like but, a no-brainer it's just that i mean it's funny because you know like some you know like like you said earlier you know we got some criticism for dismissing battle world and i've you know i've been the one who i think has embraced it the most i think and this is the week that it that it broke me Really? <laughs> yeah. I'm excited for All right, this we're going to get to that. So just, just to sort of – I think that I think that you dig it, definitely. Do you know – what's Mike Del Mundo from? I, I feel like I know the name, but the I can't world. remember. 
What? Mike of the world. I know that. <laughs> um, he did uh, some comic books. Uh, it's okay like, if you I, don't know. Off the yeah, top no. Um, he's done a lot of covers. He's the one of those guys where it's like, why hasn't he done more? You know? Yes, like, I mean, that's the thing. thing. Like, I'm like, where did this guy come from? He did Electra. Huh. That's because he put um, on books that people didn't read. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Well, yeah. We didn't see some of them. Yeah, he was. He did Electra. He did that the, the 2014 Electra series. He did one of those Disney Kingdoms comics, The Secrets of the Weird. He did some Deadpool stuff, Dexter. Yeah, like he's it's, real good. He's much yeah. better than his resume would lead you to believe. Yeah. Um, and I don't feel like this is going to be his breakout hit, but it's it's hell of a showing, really. And you know, it's just you've got the hero. He's got the long hair and blades, and uh, he's set upon at all times. And and he, you know, everything goes badly for him the whole time. And and you know, he's he's on his little quest. That's really what it is. It's super simple. And it's a fun book, and you guys should totally check it out. It's, it's, it's you know, there are four issues. I, I imagine there's one or two more. This is not the final issue. We have what? It goes to the end of the year. We, we decided with yeah. the Scardi run when he was on the show. It goes till, Battle World goes till January. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, my. No, I know Secret Wars number nine comes out in December, right? And so, well, this is the thing is that, yeah, I mean, it's like stuff's going to start in October. Right. Mm. Like, so we're coming, like, supposedly we're coming out of it. We're, we're supposed to be coming out of it. In October, but it's there's still going to be a lingering this, overlap, at least of like maybe two or three months. This does not have more than two issues left in it. Yeah, like oh. just from or it shouldn't. It doesn't yeah. feel like I could be very wrong about that. Regardless, I, I know that was that was sort of a wishy washy review, but like I absolutely think out of all the stuff that's happening in Marvel right now, this is one of those things that that you should check out if what I said sounds like something you would like. Well, yeah, and, and that's and that's the thing is that like a lot of the battle, a lot of the <laughs> battle world stuff has been fun. I I can totally attest to that. It has been it has been good. Uh, I think it's very segmented. I think like like yeah. for you, you can you, there's all these these X Men things that are you know takes on on older X Men s- status quos. I guess is that the plural for status quo? Stati quo? I don't know. Status, status quo. Status quo. <laughs> so, I hear John Cleese yelling at me in my head right now. Well, we're gonna we're gonna get to those books in the in the in the later segment. But Josh, I'm actually pretty surprised that 1872 number three wasn't the pick of the week. Yeah, me too. I, have a, I have a very specific reason why, and it doesn't make sense. Okay, here we go. Tell play, it, play, play it on us. One of the things that I liked about it was that there was no superheroes; they were just the characters. And uh, so, even though I knew. It was you gonna knew happen. It was coming. You knew it was coming. Tony Stark shows up in the in the steam powered Iron Man. So it was like, yeah, I know you had to do it, but I didn't want you to. Well, I was fine with that. It, it sort yeah. of felt it, it matched the time. Totally. It totally. I just was. I thought it'd be really cool if they got through the story without anybody being any more of a superhero than they were as their personality. And I and I know that that is unrealistic, but that's that's what I felt. Okay. It was good. It was a real good issue. I enjoyed Bullseye getting shot in the head. Yeah, that was good. Because having a target on your forehead is stupid. Yeah, that is a, <laughs> is a good point. Yeah, <laughs> I just I just love the map. <laughs> I, lo- I love I love I love the 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 yeah, ongoing. She's in. We just go back to the map. I love it. Well, no, the ongoing, no. There are ongoing references to the map. Like the story happened, and then we got the map because the the story the map was updated to reflect the story. I just I like that. <laughs> if they put out a book of Marvel maps, would you make that the pick of the week? Of course, I uh, probably would. I just I'm a real. Uh, I love those maps. What if there's a book with those half maps, half cutouts of bases? That, oh, geez, now you're talking. Now you're talking. Now you're talking real language. I, I like. I mean, I liked it. I I get. I get that completely, Josh. One hundred percent. But I thought if you're gonna do the heroes, it's not like Thor landed in the middle of town. Absolutely. You know, it was like this. This inventor built a steam-powered iron suit, which in the realm of possibility, I guess, is not completely unrealistic. No, and 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 you know the Hulk is. Which you should be more concerned with. The Hulk's about to show up, so that yeah, no, exactly. but really he would just die. Well, you know, this, the, is, you know. This, is, this is Battle World, man. No, I know, I know. And there was a, oh, that was the other thing. I'd mentioned this before, but there's definitely there was a point where they had to, where they sort of just slipped in God Doom. I see. I didn't even catch that. I don't even know what scene that was in. I don't remember exactly, but I just remember. Thinking, oh, they got this. Oh, one. God Doom it. I see. Yep. There you go. It, it was totally tiny, and I and I was like, oh. See, I, I didn't mean, even I catch it. that. They had to. I, I just I think my brain changed it. God damn it! I didn't. I, just I, moved, I, didn't move I don't blame you. God doom it. So, Ron, how do you feel about Simon Williams being a bad guy here? Eh, I mean, he was a bad guy in the comics when he first came out. That's true. That's true. That's so, true. yeah. So it's not it's not out of the realm, you know. Mm-hmm. It'll be curious to see how they handle it and how they if they if he if he repents. What, how long does this go on for? One more issue to, yeah. to, to be concluded. Yeah. So I guess Which we'll is find correct, out. By the way. 
it shouldn't yeah. go further than that. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. We'll find out, and I'm gonna get I'm gonna get to that later on in the show. Yeah, no, it, it's it's within the context of the world, so I'm I'm fine with that. Yeah. So now, I, although although he is a very dapper Simon Williams, I'll give him that. He's a, he's that so, he's sport, yeah, sporting a nice outfit. That's a that, nice that guy in the movie that shows up in town, and all the cowboys spit and go, "Look at that dandy!" Yeah, mm-hmm. and then somebody roughs him up. Is there something that ha- I don't? I don't feel like I know. I don't feel like I understand Wonder Man over the last decade. I don't does, know what his deal is. Anyone like, re- does anyone really? Does anyone, can anyone really know anyone well, else? Yeah. <laughs> no, like, is he a bad guy now? Is that why? No, no. no. I knew, okay. He, when he first appeared, much like Hawkeye, he was a bad sure. guy. Well, no, but recently there was that whole thing where he didn't agree what was going on. Right. Right. He was the villain because he became a pacifist and didn't like... He was a wild card. Didn't yeah. like what the Avengers were doing, so he, he opposed them. Because they don't know what the fuck to do with them. And then he was involved with Remender's Uncanny Avengers. That's when he was the pacifist. To yeah. some extent. But it wasn't, I don't know, none of that was very, like, he's been, he's like, he shows up. one of those forgotten up. characters that yeah. don't really have a point for He's him. also a, he's also a, uh, what, a, 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 a dosas machina, whatever that is. You know, like, yeah, he's a yeah. MacGuffin. He tends to be a MacGuffin. So. He, yeah, he's a little, he's a little Martian manhuntery. Yeah, a little bit. But he's, he's just one of those characters that sort of fell off. They don't really use him. Yeah. It's, yeah. The jacket for Hank Pym. It was the it was the it was the uh, domestic brutality for Wonder Man. It was the jacket. Yeah. So there was a time when I thought another artist doing anything on Astro City would be verboten. Mm-hmm. You know, it had to be Brent Anderson or you know covers by Alex Ross. That was it. It had to be it. And most recently, we've started to see fill-in artists here and stuff like that. And now I'm after this issue of Astro City number twenty-seven. I I'm like, yeah, bring it on because Joe and Finari doing the art on this was delightful. See, I, I didn't like it at first, but I liked it by the end. Well, yeah, you like once it switched. Once you saw why. Yeah. You know, like you know, and and so this is a one-shot issue that um, focuses on American Chibi, which is the which is the little uh, big-eyed. Uh, Can you say that again? American Chibi. Perfect. <laughs> is that how you pronounce it? I, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> but this is a, this is a great story that kind of explains her origin, where she came from. I thought it was very clever. Yeah. It was very yeah. interesting. It was very. I mean, like like good job on Kurt Busiek with the with the trends, with the video games, and the you know like yeah. It was, this guy it was, also has a future in comics. Yeah, I think he does. You know, Josh, at the top of the show, you said it was a mediocre week of comics, and I mostly agree. I didn't have a ton, but I thought there was a couple of standouts. I thought this was a standout issue. Yeah. Well, we this know how, like, every time in Astro City comes out, we've been crowing about it, and, like, it's good, and it's good, and it's good. I did not like this issue at all. I was like, oh, this is the one I don't like. Interesting. And it's not that the art was bad. I, I don't know. I just didn't. I don't know. I just didn't like it. Well, in, in these in these one in these one shots, he you know like basically what he's doing is he's expanding the universe by giving us this little glimpse into into a character which we've done before, you know. Yeah. And you've got to pack a lot into that. You got to create, you know, you got to create conflict. You got to create the origin. You got to create, you know, some sort of thing. And you know, and this issue, this issue not only gave us the background of where American Chibi. Uh, came from, but um, gives us a. I thought gave us a strong, although although admittedly tropey, but that's what this tropey book is. is super, uh, super, super. Yeah, but super this, that's what this book is though. Yeah, I, know, yeah. I just I'm, didn't so, like the trope. So we get we get a sacrifice. We get a you know like and we get we we get kind of a a wish fulfillment. You know like the you know the you know where the character gets you know she, they they make American Chibi part of the honor guard before she sacrifices herself, and then we get a a glimpse of the future. You know like we see what you know the, this character isn't totally gone and that it's going to be reincarnated in a different way. And 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 you know like I it just hit on all the notes. Yeah, I really I really liked it a lot. Yeah, yeah I liked it a lot too. The better yeah. single issues. Yeah. No. you just don't like cute little big eyed characters, Josh. That's true yeah no, it might have been it i don't know what it was at the end i was like i don't i didn't i didn't care it, i'm not gonna point to any of it and go like oh he, he blew it that's no good yeah but it didn't do anything for me you hate chibi i might that might be it i don't like saying it i'm uncomfortable with it i want one of the t-shirts though no i'm kidding so i'm kind of surprised to see wilds End enemy within number one on this list because i remember you not being thrilled with it when they heard the first miniseries of wilds End. well to be fair but you and paul uh paul you may remember used to be on the show Ron is the new Paul, in case everyone knows. Ron's the new Paul, exactly, uh, which is different than a RuPaul. And I liked it just fine, but like uh, I remember Paul just thinking it was the greatest thing of all time, and I fell off it. Not because I didn't really like it, I just kind of forgot about it, which is usually a sign that I don't need to keep reading it. But as I said, this was a bullshit week in comics, so I was looking for something to read. And so I checked back in. Without having finished the last series, uh, I could follow along with this, uh, this book from Boom about, about animals. 
Um, and it seems like what was happening in the other one was there was an alien invasion, and at this point, yes, they've won, or the aliens are there, and and we're sort of in the resistance part. Mm-hmm. And I liked. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, all oh, right, no, I did like this. I want to get back into it and, and read some more. And so you get all these characters and that dog with the, the squinty eyes who was... Right, the sort of the stoic... Yeah, and you, you learn about his past. And I don't, again, I don't know if they explain much of it, but he was in the Navy and had been yes. through some horrible stuff whilst in the Navy. And I like the... Basically, this guy and, and all these other characters from the town are locked in a room and there's these two science... They bring in these two science fiction authors and they hate each other to help them plan for how to fight the aliens. Um, so that's a really fun dynamic to go around. And, and one of them is, you know, like a cartoonish cat. And the other one is a, a dog with ridiculous hair. And they're both in tweed suits. I just enjoyed it. Because I didn't read this one because I feel like I got my fill of the, of the, of the you, other You finished the other one, though? And Yeah, I finished it. I read it all the way through. I just didn't feel like I needed any more of the story. I can understand that. I think there was a two bickering writers in the last one too. One well, they had, was a woman. I think they had never met each other. Spoiler. Uh, in, like, yeah, so this basically the one guy sat down on the train next to the other one. He was introduced to him, and he's like, "Oh, I'm a huge fan. Uh, you do this great work and whatever." And the other's like, "Oh, thank you very much. And who are you?" And he says his name, and he's like, "You write the worst science fiction ever." And that's basically there. Uh, and they hate each other, uh, which I think is funny because it's written by Dan Abnett, who is in fact a science fiction novelist uh, in his other job. That was fun. Like, if you liked Wild End before, you should be aware that this is back and is a thing. It's very similar to that. We've moved on with the story, and we get to hang out with these people some more. Will you continue reading? Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try to remember to do that. This is one of those things like it tends to Ron. slip under my radar, but definitely. And I, I really like the simplicity of the cartooning. Can you think of a book less for you, Ron? Fables. <laughs> <laughs> it's su- this book is super British, like, yeah. and not like. There's different kinds of British, like old Tweety British. I like it. It's it's like it's like a, it's like a Mr. Toad kind of story. So this week, if I had to pick, it probably would have been Grayson number twelve. I enjoy your your progress with this because I never I don't I don't know that I fully understand where you where it lays on your your taste chart. Like you've been into it's always it. a struggle with this book. I always liked the the art's been great. The the mm-hmm. I think it's it's um, Michael Jenin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's good. And uh, Tim Seeley and Tom King write Grayson really well. I just don't care about him as a spy. So if you recall, in the last issue, he, you know, Dick... <laughs> if, if you recall. So well, we talked about it on the show. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm just so <laughs> so if, to go even back further, the world thinks Dick is dead. He died, he supposedly <laughs> died at the end of Forever Evil. And so then Batman said, you know, we should probably use this. Let's, let's keep you dead. And you infiltrate this group called Spiral, which is trying to uncover all the superhero secrets. So he did that. That's what he's been doing for the last year. So at the end of the last issue, he kind of got fed up with all the spiral antics. And plus, he's been radioing back home and has not been able to get Bruce on the radio because we all know Bruce lost his memories at the end of the last Batman arc. So he leaves Spiral. In this issue, he's back in Gotham. And it opens with a one-page scene where Alfred is helping him put on makeup because he's going to go meet Bruce. Uh-oh. But they still don't, they, they don't want him to recognize him, so he's putting on theatrical makeup. Uh, Alfred has to do it all with one hand because he's got a fucking stump. <laughs> <laughs> this is my favorite thing that you hate. <laughs> so, I love yeah. it. But then, once we get beyond that, it actually is a really fun issue where he goes and he meets up with Bruce, and then he meets up with Jason and Tim, and then he meets up with Barbara, and then he meets up with Damien. And in each time he meets up with them, there's a one-page, full-page shot of the person he's talking to, and then they're surrounded by dialogue balloons of dialogue from their history together, but it's taken from the history of DC Comics. So I don't know what kind of crazy research project is required, but there's stuff going back to the, the 50s in here. So big moments of their relationship are, are in these dialogue balloons. And I thought that was a really nice touch. So he meets with Bruce, but of course Bruce has now got a beard and has no memory. And during the middle of their meeting, Spiral shows up to trank Bruce and tell Dick he, he actually can never escape Spiral. He has to be part of it. He has to go come back. And so what he does is he recruits his siblings, you know, his uh, other Robins and Batgirl to infiltrate spiral and disable the spiral technology which keeps people's faces hidden so he doesn't actually know who he's working for uh, so now at the very end of the issue, issue he goes back to spiral they're radioing in his ear saying okay we've disabled it and so now he's, he sees everybody he's working for so now he's going to supposedly take them down now that he knows who they are character wise it was a really fantastic issue because each scene was great the, Tim and Jason were really pissed Jason punches Dick because they were upset that he lied to them especially since they went through the whole thing with the Joker where they all got mad at Batman for lying to them about the Joker. 
Barbara is got really mixed feelings because, you know, she's kind of in love with him, but she's still mad. And Damien just just happy to see his surrogate dad, so he gives him a big old hug. And but there's also a great moment where they both go, "You're alive!" to each other because we thought Damien was dead as well. I really like that Damien and Dick uh, have affection for each other. Yeah, I, I really enjoy that part of the story. Why did they put Celie and King over on Detective? I would be fine with it. They really nail these voices and these characters. I would totally be fine with them on Detective, and I think they do a great job. King had a had a had a weird thing happen last week where they canceled his book. And they uncanceled it. And then they uncanceled it because of the fans, which is that's so pretty weird. That doesn't happen much. That's okay, fine, it's profitable. I think you might actually want to check this out, Josh, just because for the, the Damien scenes, you might like them. Okay. It's just, you, can, you can totally read this, just not knowing what's going yeah, on. Yeah, no, that's fine. I think I'm the same way. Like, I like these characters, but like, the premise of it yeah. just doesn't. I read the first one, I think, and I was like, it was, I didn't like the idea of it. It wasn't the execution in any way. And I like that they all sort of came together as Robins and Batgirl at the end mm-hmm. to sort of get Dick out of the situation. So, and this is... <laughs> I wish I could... I, know, I wish I, I could... This is the fan. juvenile episode. And this is, this is all leading to the Robin war story that's happening. That's the next cross... Is that you know, the thing? Like, they, they have to kill some of these, right? Like, like this, you can't... Look, we're crossing our fingers. We're going to call the ranks here, but we already tried to kill Damien once. Hopefully the second time we can the do The Robin that. Center cannot hold. <laughs> well, now, now, there's like, now there's like 47 of them now, right? Then, then, real, then there's the We Are Robin group, which also came out this yeah. week. And actually, that was actually pretty good, too. Batgirl showed up there, too. Batgirl was all in all three Batman books I read this week. Is Batgirl had a Batgirl book Robin? this week. Did, wasn't there a Batgirl book this week, yeah, too? Yeah, there, there was Batgirl. She was in Grayson, and she was in We Are Robin. Man, they, they did, I thought they were, they were going to stop Batgirling all the books. <laughs> But they're literally backgrounding them now. They're literally, literally they're just put background on everything. Just put her in everything. I love how uncomfortable the subtext of that sentence is. <laughs> We're gonna stop backgrounding the books. There's just no way to get out of that. What you just said. That's <laughs> really horrible. We're gonna stop backgrounding the books. <laughs> oh, well, what's, what's also funny is that you know, according to Tom King, who sent an email into our 501st episode explaining their relationship, Barbara and Dick have never been together. But some of these dialogue balloons from the past. Uh, seem to not contradict be. that. Yeah, well, because they all they all. <laughs> I mean, I still say that that uh, uh, yeah, it's just confusing. It's just all confusing. It's all screwed up. They screwed it all up. <laughs> they blew it up. God damn it! <laughs> they so. blew it all to hell. God damn you! So if you're a, if you're a Batman fan, if you're a fan of that family, I would recommend checking out Grayson Twelve. You can read it. Not you get enough context from the story to know what's going on, but it's just really great character stuff. If you want to just see them. You know, all these people reacting to the fact that Dick is still alive. Whatever this costume is that Jason's wearing is just awful. Isn't that always the case? Yeah. What I'm really looking forward to from the preview art is spending weeks and weeks and weeks talking about how terrible the reimagined original Robin costume is. I'm really, I'm digging in for that one. <laughs> I'm making the popcorn. And they've, they've showed it before, but really, this is, this is really, I'm going to really roll up my sleeves for this. Can I proffer something? Sure. So if I go to a clothes store now, I have this problem where, like, oh, I don't want to look like I'm 20, but I don't want to look like I'm 60. Right. And there's not really clothes for people in the middle unless you just keep dressing the way you dress in 1995 like Ron does. But Hey, hey, it works. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we, that's a Classic easy. look. It's a classic look. Okay, sure. Uh, <laughs> somebody dressed like Rachel from Friends could say the same thing, but no one would believe her. Anyway, I'm relating this to the fact that... It's not like I'm wearing a flowerly... He's, he's wearing button-down shirt and jeans. Like, what literally wearing jeans and a t-shirt and all, sometimes a button-down shirt sleeve shirt. How is that unclassic? How is Gingham not classic? Are you drunk? Because you just said button-down shirt sleeve shirt. <laughs> I might be. <laughs> no, no, no. So the point I'm getting to is, do we hate these costumes because we're old men? I don't see anyone who's ever said these costumes look good. I mean, if there was a groundswell of it, and I, I don't would say, think sure. so. I, I just want to make sure. Like, are we old men, like, get off our lawning? I completely admit that I would rather have the designs of the old DCU back. I don't need them to undo the reboot. I think the designs are better. But if there was a groundswell of people saying these mid 90s costume designs look great, I would just chalk it up to me being old fashioned. But I don't see that groundswell. I think you're right. I just wanted to say it out loud and make sure and give the idea the air to breathe, which it doesn't deserve. Isn't the majority of our of the show us saying old, old men? Yeah. yeah, saying get off my lawn. I know, but I'm trying to, you know. Also, let's get back to the fact that you can't find clothes for people our age. I mean, why, what's wrong with a shirt and pants? It's fit. Fit changes. Oh, the fit. That's what fit we're talking about. You know what I'm talking about. You're talking about old giant man pants or this is what I'm saying. Millennial pants that hang off your ass. Exactly. I get you. I'm not right. built for that. I understand. That. Plus, you got the stubby legs. 
You got you got the stubby legs. You're talking like the popa. It's a 30 inch NC. <laughs> Oh man! All right. Well, if you if you want to help support, I'm five ten. It's average. I do have short legs, a long torso. You're no different, Kilpatrick. I'm the exact same. I've got a long torso and short legs. That's fine. I'm correctly proportioned. If you've got a desire to help this train wreck, if you want to help us manicure our back lawn so we can yell at people to get off, you can go to ifanboy.com/support. There are numerous ways you can help the ifanboy cause. The the most direct way and the easiest way for you is to go to ifanboy.com support click on the link to go to amazon and do all your amazon shopping via our link we get a little kickback from amazon of anything you buy so if you're looking for a new pair of pants a nice pair of slacks perhaps <laughs> and some gingham and some gingham you can purchase that all for amazon we know you're doing it anyway so uh, let amazon pay us for what you're buying it's a it's a great deal if you'd like to uh, support us in a more direct manner you can sign up for an ifanboy.com membership where you can pay three dollars a month or thirty dollars a year and we love the people who've done that you are our favorite folks or if you don't want a recurring payment you can just do a one-time donation via paypal and we accept that as well uh, we appreciate everybody who supported us up to this point you help keep the lights on keep the servers running keep us in microphones we recently upgraded some equipment you might be able to hear it sounding better from one person in New England. And so that's all directly from your support. So we thank you very much. Go to ifanboy.com slash support. And we thank you for supporting the show. Hellboy in hell. What the hell is this doing on the show? Right? Right? Huh? You, had, huh? you had dropped off all these books. I think that there was a hiatus. I actually think I read through six and then it was gone for a while. Because seven came out last month on a week that I wasn't on. And then eight came this week. I'm just so hearing a lot of excuses to... from you today. I think those were all completely valid. Excuse after excuse. I don't. I don't think you've checked your facts. That's I what mean, I think. So many excuses. I think that this this rage about Alfred's hand <laughs> and these costumes have clouded your judgment. He's got a fucking stump, and he's trying here to put I on am, makeup. Here I am trying to be uh, well rounded. We're trying to talk about some books, and I and I got you giving me guff, and I don't need it. My stumpy, point. stumpy. Oh, I enjoyed weird. Hellboy in Hell number eight. Is he still in? He's still in hell. Yeah. No, he's dead, and it doesn't appear that he's going to be undead. There's this really neat thing that they do in this book that Wait, I kind of forgot. is he dead forgot. or is he mostly dead? Actually, he's mostly dead. See, there you go. There's always a chance it's mostly dead. Completely dead, <laughs> no chance. Mostly dead, still got some room to work. Are we the leading <laughs> podcast in comics for 30-year-old things? Possibly. I'm pretty sure we're going we're gonna to lose the kids. Lose them. Wow, I don't ever do that to Connor. That was great. That was good. <laughs> oh, continue, please. So they do this basically like Hellboy's in Hell, and it's that same thing. You know, remember? Okay, you know the pancake short. Yes. yes, yes. He eats the pancakes, and then those demons. There's like the last panel is this is our darkest hour. So somewhere off, somewhere, some demon power is like, oh, this isn't good. And that is kind of the overall thing that's happening in this book, is that Hellboy's in Hell. He's actually learning answers to all these things that have been going on. He meets his sister. He finds out of his father and his mother. His whole thing. He's got a twin sister they didn't know about? I didn't know. No, it wasn't. There's another. <laughs> 33 years old. Uh, I'm just going to keep ranking these things. And uh, it's actually his half-sister. And But there's this idea that he's in hell, but he's actually, like, he's actually not quite dead. And it's a problem. They do this really neat visual thing where you see everything as Hellboy and as the other hell denizens see them and then you sort of back up and you and you see them like as they really appear which is they're like dead husks and it sort of goes back and forth it actually makes it a little confusing but once you sort of get your handle on it's a really neat it's a really neat visual thing so it's both confusing and really cool but uh, i don't i don't i think that fits in with like being stuck in limbo or in hell as it was i actually really enjoyed this and i, I think it's i haven't read hellboy in a little while because i read seven and eight sort of uh, one after another right in a row and i was like all right cool i got this so it's good i'm in all right. So, Invisible Republic second story arc issue number six came out this week, and I, I was I was actually expecting there would be a little more of a break in between the arcs, but I was glad to see this nope. come so quickly, and I was also glad to see insanely good art again. Yeah. And I know it goes about it goes without saying, but I was just blown away by the level of details Gabriel Hardman's putting into the backgrounds, the subtle color changes that are that are guiding us through the different time periods that are being uh, covered here. Like it was just great. And um, best of all. Best of all, there was a mention of us in the letter column. But also the, the sepia tone flashback was really great. Yeah. Oh, I thought this was my favorite issue of it so far. Because I think yeah. I really started to understand who the people are and their relationships are. And I really kind of think also 
that the male female writer duo who are our heroes are kind of autobiographical. Yeah, <laughs> at least in their personalities. Yeah. And honestly, this is I don't know how that didn't occur to me. Yeah, think about that. <laughs> but they're packing a lot into these issues, not only from a story standpoint, yes. but there's some there's some great back matter. I mean, Karina has an article about the space elevator. Yeah, which is I mean, it's 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 really great. I mean, like this is continues to be one of the best comics being put out. And thank you, Roy Seitz the Third, for mentioning us in the letter column. Yeah, appreciate it. And thank you, Karina, for uh, saying they like us too. Ron, you've been reading all these Shield 50th anniversary specials. I read the first one, but I didn't read any more. Did you read this one? No, I bailed out on this one. So this was Fury, and I thought, well, I like Nick Fury. I didn't recognize a single name on the cover, so I didn't bother. Well, so I uh, picked it up, and this was a... So they, each of these issues have been featuring... Uh, so there was the, the Agent Carter one, and there was the... Uh, what was the, the, the... What was her name? What is... It's not Agent Sky not gonna anymore. Work here anymore. It's not Sky anymore, Ron. Who Quake, was, Quake. Quake. And the first one was actually Shield itself, and that was the best one. But this was a Nick Fury one. I thought, well, two things. One, maybe... I'll get some old school Fury action, which I always love, and two, maybe I'll learn some more things about this new Fury, and maybe that will help me like him some more. Was there any Starenko? There was no Starenko. I think that was only the first time. Uh, So this story happens in which, in the modern days, new Fury goes to stop the hate monger because he's exploiting the current racial unrest in America, and there's some parallels between 65 and 2015 in here, which were were well done. Uh, And so then accidentally ends up in a Hydra time machine, with the hate manga, they both go back in 1965, where new Nick Fury has to team up with his dad without telling him who he is, and hate manga decides, hey, since I'm 1965, I'll just go kill Barack Obama when he was a kid, and so then they have to stop him from doing that. So, that was uncomfortable. Well, they don't call him that, they call him Barry, but, <laughs> you know, you get the implication. So, it was alright. It was fine. I do love the, uh, the hate monger. Yeah, he's silly. Although, I, I mean, not let's for... Let's I mean, that. Not, Let's, yeah, let's, <laughs> yeah. Wait a minute. <laughs> I mean, I'm not with him. I'm against him. But right. I, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> as a villain, he's a good. He's a he's a crazy yeah. one of those crazy yeah. sort of '70s Marvel concepts. '60s, you know, '60s Marvel concepts. Yeah. He's a Kirby. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. it was fun. It was. Right. I still don't know much about old, new Nick Fury. I still miss old Nick Fury. So there you go. More old man stuff for you, Josh. Jeez. Oh, mm-hmm. So as earlier, we were talking about the Battle World books. And this I am very excited for this. This week saw the uh, the release of uh, Extinction Agenda number four and Years of Future Past number five. And uh, the good, I'll give you the good, Extinction Agenda number four featured Mystique uh, briefly fooling somebody by posing as uh, Arch- Archangel in the blue and pink costume with the silver wings. Archangel. Yeah, Archangel. Arch- we know Arch- it's Archangel. Like, like. Do, yes. I mean, I know it, and I know that Connor knows it, but like, do you know that, Ron? What? That's Archangel? No, no, that it's not Archangel. <laughs> it's Archangel. Arch. It's a biblical term. So, Archangel. I'm feeling confident about this. <laughs> Archangel. 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 Um, that's the oldest reference on the show so far. Eight <laughs> <laughs> years old. Uh, but yeah, but it was, just it was great to say Back to the Future, then only 30. Yeah, well, it was great to see uh, Back to the Future is what uh, educated me on that reference. But anyway, um, it was great to see that costume come back. And both of these, I guess, were the last issues because you got to the very – Welcome back to the show, Ron. Now you are truly one of us. <laughs> you, got, you got to the very last page. You got to the very last page of the book and it ended on, you know, just like, and this happened and then a Marvel logo. Huh. And and this is where I, I finally exasperated and said, you know, like and it's and like Days of Future Past especially ended on you know the last the last uh, narration box the last dialogue of this issue is, is there truly a difference any longer, Marvel and it's just like, <laughs> and I was just like I threw my hands up in the air I'm like can we just get regular books back please. <laughs> Because the the problem the problem with these battle world books is they were fun little what if ex- what if experiments. And there's a reason why what if was one two issues at the most. Right. Because when they go on for too long, it's just like all right, well, what's the point here? And they told the story, and now it's just like punctuation with the Marvel logo, and just you know. And I was like, for Christ's sake, I just want regular comics back. Here's what I here's what I love. I love that they have broken us down and made us into hypocrites. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because for years, years, and people have called us out on this, and they're totally right. Yep. For years, we're like, listen, it doesn't matter if you enjoy the books; they're good, yep. whatever. And now we are like, you know what? You're right. Fuck this. Yep. Well, that is accurate. We also are enjoying the ones that are 
Well, that's because a lot of these aren't good. That's the problem. They're not. They're, they're not. Some of them are good. Some of them are really good, but they can only go on for so long before you you lose. Once you tell that story, then the the, it, the it's like a balloon that flies away, and you'll never have it again. You know you what I mean? Like, it's a nice place to visit, but you don't want to live there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing is, we don't have the regular books as a as a bedrock. To hold on to all these other things that we only have these other right. this is similar ephemera. to the discussion we had, Josh, and you were not here with Viscardi in that if if you don't have a foundation to well, for these books then they don't mean anything. Yeah. I need a backbone. I need a and backbone. what I mean by that is you don't know what you're reading. You don't know what you're f- supposed to be feeling. If you don't know the world and you can establish the world in one issue, you can do that. Most yeah. world's books do it all the time or did it all the time. But a lot of these books is there's just you don't go I go back to ultimate end. We don't know what the hell we're reading there. Is it in the yeah. Ultimate Universe? Is it in this battle world? Is it both? Who, why are these characters? Why do some of them seem to know about this and some others it don't? It's just uh, is this really wrapping things up? We don't know what we're reading, so we can't emotionally engage with it. And and here and here's my worry: in the middle of both of these books is the little insert, the 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 plug-in insert promoting the new books that are coming out in November, which are now post Battle World and all whatever you know. And we've got all new Wolverine number one, which is you know X twenty three, fine, you know. But then I'm flipping through the rest of them. And these are just like wow, I, I, I like like the battle world concept. I think is going to be the status quo. Well, because a these, lot these of it's are staying, yeah, yeah. These are just all over the map, and like and these books, I'm like, oh, they, I don't, you know, like all new X Men number one from Dennis Hopeless and Mark Bagley, like Ultimates number one from Al Ewing and Kenneth Rocafort. You know, like Black Knight number one from Frank Thierry and Luca Pizzari, and this the tagline is Weird World, Curse Sword, Doom Knight. So weird, weird world is going to continue, you know. Like it just—it's. It's, it, I think it's—it's kind of like there's a bunch of dice and, and they're just shaking yeah. them out. Whatever comes up from whatever universe is what's part of this new world. I think that's the story idea: is that Doom's world doesn't really end; it sort of consolidates into one reality. And some pieces from some universes are going to stay, some from other realms are going to stay, and it's going to be sort of a hodgepodge of all these things as the new Marvel universe. Yeah. Mm. Do not want, I believe. Now Ron is feeling how I feel about yeah. the DC books, and now he knows my pain. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, no, this is totally, I feel like this is the DCification of Marvel. Yeah. We'll see if that if that goes through, but yeah, I I need a through line. I'm fine with just telling little stories and stuff like that, but I do I do want a spine. I do want, you know. But, the uh, idea that, like, they'll just keep doing this until they hit on something they can make a movie from? No, because no, I, no, I, no. I, I firmly believe that publishing doesn't care about the movies. The, and, and and as recent events, the movies doesn't care about publishing either. Um, yeah, I think you're right. You know, like they're just doing whatever they want to do, and they're just. And the thing is, is that publishing is in this world, both Marvel and DC, where they're they're all they're fighting for the fucking top ten, the diamond top ten. You know, so short sighted. Oh, don't get me started. Eh, whatever. No, go ahead. No, no. I mean, they're, they're just they're. It's all no. sale. It's well, all you know, sale. Well, hold on. Let's just let's go to the emails because I think the yeah. first email will also be part of this discussion. So. All right. So fir- first email comes from Nick from Luxembourg via Newport Beach, California. Okay. I guess Nick is from Luxembourg, but he's in Newport Beach right yeah. now. I don't know. It was interesting, so that's where I left it. He's from New- Luxembourg and now lives in Newport Beach. Oh wow. Okay. Cool. All right. He joined the Republican Party. That's nice. I don't know how to say hello in Luxembourgian. So. Um, <laughs> French. I believe it's called Kaching. Belgian? Yeah. Is, it, is it Belgian? Belgium speaks French. Okay. All right. All right. So I'm, I know all this stuff. I'm kidding, by the way. All right. So Nick says with the. I don't think anyone believed that, especially me. <laughs> no, I, know, I totally knew that. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, Nick says with the recent push to $4.99 single issues, you wonder if the price of books is really based on the value of the content or just quote unquote what people are willing to pay. I have once worked for a multinational company, for, and for those of you who have as well, you know that, that it's all about profit. Once you reach profit for one financial year, it's all about the next year and how you should make more money. This model doesn't seem sustainable to, for me with comics and their shrinking reader base. The push for profits also means new books and characters don't get a chance to develop. Because once projects are losing money, it's better to shift creators to books that will make money. I haven't heard of the price increase benefiting creators at all. So my question is, where does it all stop? Will we eventually get only Batman and Avengers books at $9.99 an issue? How can comics companies actually build and foster new readers and new lines of revenue? And and he's right. I mean, it, I mean the 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 four ninety nine, the three ninety nine, and four ninety nine books are purely people. Will, I've asked people in comic book stores, retailers, and customers, does anyone bat an eye at the price tag? And everyone says nope. Long time ago, when we had Jason Wood from Eleven O'clock Comics writing our business column at iFanboy, he wrote an article about inelastic versus elastic pricing for comics and how people just don't care. Yep. 
They say they care. They say they care, they say, but they don't care. They, they get their stack, and then they get. They, I've, I watch it happen in Isotope. They're like, yep. okay, that's forty-seven dollars. Like, ooh. And then some, sometimes they're like, sometimes some will be like, really? Why? Oh, four ninety-nine. Okay, here's my credit card. Yep. You know? Yeah. It's exactly what people are willing to pay, which is what basically every product is. Yeah, and, and the, the, the sad reality is that Marvel and DC are publicly owned companies that are reportable to people above them and, and ultimately to shareholders. And for them, it's all about profit, and that's, that's what it is. And, and the trends of what sells now have changed to short-term, quick, you know, like these sort of things, and, and that, this is what we get now. Do you think – I, I think there's somewhat an element, though, of economies of scale in that Talent, overhead, like these things are expensive and they don't sell a ton of them anymore. Right. So the other side of it is that as this becomes increasingly a niche product, at least on the front end, meaning the, the issue sales, the, I, mean, I, I assume most of them are really using the issues to gauge whether they can afford it or not and everything else seems to be, be, seems to be bonus. That's the way that I, I feel like Marvel and DC do, you know, whether they want to continue a You're series. You're saying is if they make money off the issues, then whatever they make off digital and trades is a bonus. Yeah, like okay. they consider the economics of it are considered with their issue sales for the most right. part. I don't know. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, for the for the most part, yeah. They, they, Marvel and DC are focused on issue sales. DC's, I, I think, both digital is digital is truly the icing on the cake, and I All think right. and and DC is a little more focused on book and trade sales than they, Marvel. They do so well in the book market. That's because they do so well in the book market. Also, because Marvel, as generally as a business practice and business standard, do not like to keep things in inventory. And so that, let's that, talk. That comes, so that comes from Ike. So. so then if we're talking about <laughs> crazy when we're talking about like a book that sells 40,000 copies or something and you're talking about the overhead of having you know an editor an assistant editor uh, an artist an inker a colorist a writer a letterer and all those things and the, you know those are people who generally need to make a living wage you know they're not depending on who you're talking about they're not making a ton of money but it's not nothing you know at a certain point the Given the sort of the so- the amount of issues that they can sell, that three ninety nine doesn't seem as unreasonable because that product is more of a niche thing. I mean, I don't feel like their issues are are like they're they're not getting rich from selling issues. No, but that, that's that, that's that, that's their operating model is that is that they need to they need to sell a certain the, every publisher has a certain sure. number of titles that they will publish on a monthly basis, and through a various reasons of printing costs and shipping deals and stuff like that, they need to print and sell a certain number of right. those to make right. the operational budget, and then all that. But so in, in a lot of cases, they are. I mean, like, you don't think Marvel does, like, why does Marvel, why, why does Marvel dance a jig every time they get, and they do a press release every time they get a book that, with orders to come in over 100, 200, 300,000? Mm-hmm. Because they're making a ton of money on that, sure. And, but and they, they're not; those are outliers. Well, yeah, those are outliers, but those outliers are the ones that are the home runs. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, that's why there's all this push to do a bazillion and one covers for Star but, Wars number one but, and all that sort of stuff, right? But at the same time, they're not saying, "Well, we can support this other series." We can no, support they're not racing because the profits on Star. I'm, I'm mixing them, but you know what I mean. Like, yeah, I'm not trying to think of a. They can, we can support a book like Weird World because the profit and he Jason Aaron's still getting his page rate, right? We can support a book like like Weird World because we're selling so many issues of Secret Wars. It doesn't work that way. It's compartmentalized more. Yeah, so each yeah. book is responsible for itself. Yeah. And if they do get a hit, which is what they want, then that's great for that hit. But it doesn't. Yeah, like you know, like like I'm sure else. I'm sure Spy- you know Spider Gwen surprised everybody. You know, like and mm-hmm. and so great. So now that book is sustaining itself. Yeah, each book. The sense I get, and I have no no prior knowledge or anything like that. But the sense I get is that the success of Star Wars is not helping. You know, Deadpool. You know, yeah. or not helping. Each book is its own PNL. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's also another another angle of this is that, and it's sort of from the tone of Nick's email, and it's not Nick alone. A lot of people think this way is that because it's art, it should be treated as art and not as a business. It's, it's a commodity. It's not art. It's very similar to people treat actors like this all the time. Why did you do that yeah. shitty movie? Yeah, I remember there was a press conference last year for uh, some shitty movie, and she- Sam Shepard was in it. The reporter asked him why he did this movie, and he said, "Well, I got a house. I got to pay for a mortgage." Right. I mean, these are jo- these are businesses and jobs, and yes. and they don't they're not going to keep the price low just because you want to read the stories. I mean, they have to sell the books. They have to make money doing it, and they have to charge a certain amount. I mean, like that. The, so there's also other people on that food chain. Marvel sells the book to Diamond. Diamond sells the books to retailer. Retailer sells the book to you. That's four bucks an issue. Everybody gets a taste. You know, like how much money is really. Everybody wets their beak on that. No, but like they're not. These are not high margin businesses right. unless you get one of those hits. So, but we're not counting that because that's an outlier that only applies to that one book. Right. Well, but also I do agree that four ninety nine for twenty pages is too much. Totally. Yeah. 
I wrote that article a long time ago too about my oh, fanboy about what was too much, and that four ninety nine was my line. If it, yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous. If all, you know, that's really. Good. I think that's when you you're going to start seeing people drop off. Yeah. Can you imagine five ninety nine for a twenty page comic? It's going to happen. People will pay it. They will. I know. Yeah. I wonder if we will see the breaking point at some point where like they just go to a certain point and then all of a sudden sales drop off, but it won't matter because enough people will still buy them to leave it out. Maybe. Rick from Topeka, Kansas says, I was excited when a con began to happen in my hometown. The first one was small and thrown together at the last minute. It was well attended and showed great hope for the future. The second one was, was this weekend, expanding from one to three days and beginning to look and feel like a con with Artist Alley, panel discussions, wider variety of vendors. I wanted to suggest they try to get more talent from Marvel, DC, Image, etc. I also know before I make a suggestion, I better ask someone who knows, how does an up-and-coming con attract some of the talent of more widely known publishers? Well, I know. I mean, I mean, it all. I mean, Ron I knows. I know. Yeah, I know. And I know a lot about all this. I mean, it all comes down to to money, and that you know, believe it or not, the publishers are very are not in, are nearly not involved at all with the booking of talent right. at shows because the the writers and artists that you like, they are not employees of those companies; they are contractors. Independent right. uh, yeah, 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 independent contractors. So uh, if a, you know, like a con like Emerald City Comic Con, which always has a great lineup, they are inviting all of those guests and paying their travel and paying their flight and airfare and all that sort of stuff, which uh, makes it more attractive to other people, right? Who, who they're but, not paying for, right. because they know, oh, those other guys are going to be there, which attracts people, which means I have a chance of making more money, and I will also have a good time at that show, right? And so, you know, so really comes down to money. It comes down to the con's ability to fly out that, that, that stuff. You want to put on a con, you, you know, you can get Stan Lee. You can get, you know, you can get everybody. You as know, long as even, you pay for him, you can get As long as you pay for him, exactly. You know, so um, that, that comes down to it. And so that's why it's tough for independent cons to kind of get off the ground. You know, honestly, right. I, I made the prediction about a year or two ago when Wizard was really making a big push that I thought we were going to see a changeover where we were going to see talent not only getting their expenses covered for the trip, but then also paid to be at the con. Luckily, that has not happened. Does that not know. happen to any of them? No, no, it's happened, some. but not, not, on a, not on a wide scale enough basis to be actually a thing, you know? And it's usually not the comics people yeah. who get yeah yeah well that, yeah no the 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 celebrities and all that kind of stuff don't get me wrong i mean the the the, the numbers i've heard about that stuff is crazy remember when chris hemsworth appeared at c2 yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah that was just that was nuts was so yeah i mean it, it, again it all goes back to business it's like the 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 publishers think it's great to have the it, it's a weird kind of um cycle you know because like a con builds up and you get people to come by having creators there and publishers there but creators and publishers won't go unless there's a crowd but the crowd won't go unless the creators and publishers are there you know Stand so you go yeah exactly so you've got to have the investment to drop to entice enough creators to come in in order to get you know get you know to get uh, attendees to come and you need enough attendees to come in order to convince the publishers to come exhibit because the publishers they pay to exhibit, you know, like San Diego and Emerald yeah. City and New York Comic Con. Like the publishers have to pay for the boot space for all that sort of stuff. It's a big, it's a big all endeavor. The people, all yeah, the it's hotels. A, yeah, it's a, it's a big endeavor for the publishers to show up. Do you think, and I do, that we are starting to become oversaturated with cons? Oh yeah, there's too many. I mean, it, yeah. now the the season now is March well, until there's no season. It's almost every every yeah. There's yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, in the United States, it's it's roughly no no. March. It's like every. Trust me, we I've done this for my, my okay, day job. There's fine. like a, there's fine. a Comic Con every month. Yeah. Which I think is great. No, on one hand, I think it's great because it's bringing yeah. this stuff to more people and all this sort of stuff. The problem is, is that as as a comics, if this is your hobby and this is your thing, picking and choosing what show to go to gets harder because there are so many. Yeah, but at the same time, as a pro, then like you've really got to pick and choose what you're going to do. And and yeah. then if you want to work in comics, then part of that really part of the thing you want to consider is like, do I want to be on the road every weekend? Right. right. Because, because when, when you're doing that, you're not working. Trust me. Nope. I mean, I've I've you're seen that. Behind, I've, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, I see that and, firsthand. And, I mean, it, I don't know. There's something that, if I'm going to be wistful about it, there was something about 15 years ago, 12 years ago, where like there was a, there was Old a handful. Man Josh. No, it's true. There's like a handful of big shows, and they were big deals. Yep. And now, like every yeah, comic and, and, pro and, and, I know is traveling all the time. And and it, and, it, and, it, and, it, and and in 1997, I saw Jimmy World playing a VFW hall. You know, like it, fair it, enough. I mean, fair it, enough. It, you know, like that's you know that's what happens. There, there's a, a time. And then they got day jobs because they couldn't sell enough of that album. <laughs> no, but they, they, there are times where you know it's 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 young and you're on the ground floor and it feels fantastic. And you know there was a time where we we used to go to you know five to eight shows a year. 
Yeah. You know, like it, 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 Emerald City and yeah. then and then Heroes Con and, you know, like all in San Diego and all that stuff. It was fun, but now it's crazy. So. Yeah. I mean, well, that, that's one of the things, like, you, you know, you, you work in this. You had to go to a ton of shows. Yeah. It's exhausting. Yeah. It's exhausting. And, and, like, that's one of the things, like, why I don't really want to work in comics. Like, I, I don't want to do that. And yeah. that's what the job is. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's fun. It's like you want to keep going to a party every weekend. It's like. Yeah, you know, that's fun for a while, but that year that we did five, six shows or something like that, that we did that for a couple me. years in a row. Yeah, like that wasn't, that stopped being fun. That broke me for shows, yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, like you're absolutely right. It's also, it's great for fans because not everybody can afford to do all these things. So if you've got people getting, you know, dispersed further and lots more people get to go see stuff and regional shows are good and everything, but uh, boy, it feels like there's a lot of them. And so it's harder to make them stand yeah. out or be impressive. So, I mean, the original thing of this guy's questions, like, like, you know, how do you do? Well, the more that you get, the, the less options you have for pulling people in, when, especially when you got a weekend where there's several shows going on. You know, there's only so many people to go around. Yep. yep. All right. Thank you, Rick. And yes. It's a good Nick. question. Rick and Nick. Thank you, yep. Rick and Nick, for your emails. They email us at contact.ifanboy.com. You can also call our voicemail line at 88 Fanboy 326-2697. Tell us who you are, where you're from, and keep it around 30 seconds. And uh, if you had heard us last week, we had teased a little bit of an announcement. So if you had followed on social media, you already know about this. But if you don't follow us on social media and you didn't hear it, and we know that there are thousands of you who didn't, we launched a new podcast uh, this past week. Uh, last what? month. It's called Spoiler. Yeah. yeah. Spoiler. <laughs> No, we launched a new podcast called Well, because it sounds a lot like cereal, so we decided to go with that. <laughs> no. In reality, we launched a new podcast called The Goodfellas Minute, and where the three of us uh, are analyzing the Martin Scorsese film Goodfellas one minute at a time. If you're familiar with the Star Wars Minute podcast, where our friends uh, Alex Robinson and Pete the Retailer have been analyzing the Star Wars movies, it is the same format. They said it was cool. We're all friends. <laughs> and so, yeah, so you can go to goodfellasminute.com where you can get the past episodes and it's in iTunes and you can subscribe to it. And all the links are there on the website. We're really excited about it. We're having a blast. We got a ton of great feedback on it. Seems that other people are enjoying it. So if, if this sounds like your thing, give it a shot. We'd appreciate yeah. it. And also, the episodes get better. They do. There it is. So. Like, the, like, like this week's, they were pretty good. Next week's are, are even better. I think you're going to yep. have fun. Well, the first yeah. week was a lot of talking to them about credits. and A lot of credits. So That's, that has a lot to do with it. Movie now the story has begun. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot more fun. So check it out. Goodfellasman.com. It's, and it's worth mentioning it's a daily podcast, Monday through Friday. It's only about 15 minutes or so. So it's perfect for commutes, things like that. And if you're a fan of the movie, you got to listen to it. So goodfellasman.com. You're going in in that first episode. You're like, oh, they're talking about fonts a lot. That doesn't continue. Yeah. <laughs> Just talk about fonts at the beginning because that's all there is. Yep. Head over to ifanboy.com to comment on this show and talk about this week's books. You can find all of our other podcasts there. These are other ifanboy-related podcasts over at ifanboy.com. Follow us at facebook.com slash ifanboy and at ifanboy on Twitter. That's where you can find out what the pick of the week is before the show. And you can follow us individually at J.A. Flanagan, at C.S. Kilpatrick, and at Ron XO. And if you're so inclined, there's also at GoodfellasMin because you can't yeah. have a super long name in your Twitter handle. But uh, you can follow that Twitter account As, as, as opposed well. to the Chibi Goodfellas, which is Goodfellas Mini. Chibi Goodfellas. Chibi. Chibi. If, if you like if you like our show, uh, you can write a review in iTunes. Uh, if you like that other show, you could also write a review in iTunes. Don't be the whole secret. If they like Goodfellas Minutes, a new podcast actually is important to review, to give yes. a review rating. Uh, so if you have heard that show, if you're one of those people who listened this week, uh, please go to iTunes and give it a rating because it's a new podcast. That's how it gets out there and people find it. So we would appreciate that as well. And with all of the things that we do, the best thing that you can do is to tell people about it either in person, in social media, the, via text messages. You know, we're still up for that weather balloon USB drive thing. If that's a yep. thing that you want to do, that's totally fine. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Definitely do that. Whatever. <laughs> you, you should, that's a good idea is what yes. you should. That's, yeah. just, that's just a 100% solid idea all the way through. <laughs> do that. That's a show. You can. <laughs> you can that's nine years work. old, just so you know. You is that only nine? On? Yeah, only nine. nine. Yeah. If anybody knows what that is, yeah. that's, that's very – we shouldn't be doing it. That's how not widespread that is that we just <laughs> – um, <laughs> Anyway, so uh, thank you for your help uh, with that. And try again, try not to uh, review the last five minutes or the first five minutes of a given episode. Yes. <laughs> Just leave that out of it, is what I think would be the best. It's probably a good idea. Mm -hmm. All right, that wraps this up. This is, we're back, baby. We're doing, we haven't done this many podcasts in like, since like 2006. Six, six per week. That was, that was really interesting. I don't know if this happened to you guys, but now that we launched Goodfellas Minute, I've had a lot of friends and stuff like that saying, we should do blank podcast. Yeah. And I actually had to say to somebody last night, listen, I'm already on three shows. <laughs> I, I don't know if I don't have a bandwidth for any more here. So there you go. 
Yeah. <laughs> There's also a lot of people suggesting what our next movie will be. We're not even... Ten minutes into the first film, yeah, we got a long way to go. It's all of a sudden now I know how Pete and Alex feel. Right. Yeah. 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 But thank you if you have listened to. Our, thank you very much if you haven't. Please check it out. It's a lot of fun. It's it's not just about Goodfellas. It's also us talking about Ron's childhood in Long Island a lot and clothes he wishes he wore. So we all know, do it in character too. It's all fun. Do that. So uh, check that out at GoodfellasMinute.com and check and thanks for listening to this show. Till next week, I'm Connor. I'm Ron. And I'm Josh. Get out of here. Down. I'm the only way to beat it, it's the bad and down The world beat it, long last